0: This podcast is at and
1: I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game.
2: Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing on to the sky gas destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow It was given to teach us all
0: how to rule for initiative Ladies and gentlemen uh, Let's get her
2: We'll finish a podcast volume number three, issue 154. DM Vince sitting with DM Matt. Hello, everyone. And DM Chad. Hey, yo. (laughs) DM Nick is off at a game this week. He decided he was going to watch
0: good old football. Yep. He's watching gladiators on the gridiron. That's right.
2: Nothing (laughs) wrong with that. Nothing at all. But we're going to jump right into things this week, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit and follow up on what we did in issue number... Well, let's see, Volume 1, Issue um, 21, and Volume 2, Issue 89, Evil campaigns. Evil. Evil. Indeed. <laughs> EA Sports. That's what it <laughs> sounded like. It's in the game. It is. It's in the game. <laughs> yeah, really. So... Chad, have you had any experience with uh, evil campaigns at all?
1: Yeah, I've played in a few... Uh, i played in a few evil campaigns for D&D. Not a lot, although I've run several campaigns where there was like one or maybe two evil characters in the party, but never really... Not very often have I played in a and d campaign where everybody's evil. Now that said... I also like to run a lot of, of Amber Diceless, as everybody knows. And Nick's not here to say, bah, whenever I say that. <laughs> so, you know, that now is a much more similar uh, dynamic. It's not evil, per se. It's just very, very Machiavellian. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm familiar with a whole party going along those lines.
2: I've only played in one campaign at a convention that was all evil and it was just all drows and we were all evil and the whole entire scenario just wound up that we wound up killing each other. (laughs) We made it to the first (laughs) scenario and then one person hit one person and then just fell apart from there.
1: Was it a chaotic evil party? Ah, yes. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I still have not figured out how to run a chaotic evil party. Lawful evil, I think, can can be very workable,
0: Yeah,
1: you know, as long as there is an overall goal that's in everybody's best interest.
2: Yeah, I can't think evil is just too chaotic to work together, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I might be able to, if you're going to play uh, an evil campaign, your best bet would be to keep most of the people at least either lawful evil or neutral evil And you might, you know, pepper in a character or two with chaotic evil just to keep it spicy.
0: Right. Having the one chaotic evil character that the other evil characters have to keep in line in order to achieve the goal and make sure that that chaotic evil character is actually necessary to complete said goal. So that way they don't just realize, hey, it'll be easier just to execute them. That, that could actually right. be interesting. It's like you got the loose cannon. You have to keep in line to achieve the goal. You, you got chaotic. the one guy going rogue. Yeah.
2: The chaotic neutral character in that mix.
0: Right. Yeah, the chaotic neutral be- trying to balance both sides out. <laughs> mm. Well,
1: OK, that brings up a good question then that I'd pose to you guys. How do you see the correct way to play chaotic evil?
2: the correct way i don't know if it was really correct well
1: if you're all too often i see people play chaotic evil that think that chaotic evil means that whatever the party wants to do they should do the opposite no and they should turn on the party in the middle of a fight against something that they're all fighting just because he's chaotic evil and i don't agree with that because if that was the case The the demons would never win a battle against the devils, you know, the Abyss and the Nine Hells. Right. Because and and, and to a degree, yeah, they do squabble and fight amongst themselves. And and supposedly, you know, according to some of the stuff I've read, I think Ed Greenwood in Dragon Magazine has talked about it. That's one of the reasons why, uh, even though there are a lot more levels to the Abyss than there are to the Nine Hells. The and a lot more demons, the demons and the devils still have a stalemate because of the infighting within the abyss. But I don't think it's to such a degree that they're incapable of action when there is a greater when there is a goal that is in all of their best interest. Hmm. I mean, I would say when you're chaotic evil, it's kind of like, look at what look at chaotic good. Chaotic good means that you're you're you have an altruistic attitude towards everybody else. You just don't believe that you believe that that the ends justify the means. So if you have to do something outside the law, that's fine. You know you're you're trying to you're trying to get to the greater good for you know uh, being good meaning for somebody other than yourself. I think chaotic evil is the same way, kind of in an inverse. They they are looking for an end goal that's in their interest, but they don't necessarily have to honor a contract to get there. I don't think they just fall in uh, upon each other in the in the first room and just start stabbing each other because that's chaotic.
0: No, I mean if you even go into the player's handbook where it describes chaotic evil, it says by promoting chaos and evil, those of this alignment hope to bring themselves to positions of power, glory, and prestige in a system ruled by individual caprice and their own whims. So basically they're just the ultimate narcissist and who want the power, the glory, and prestige and will do anything to achieve Right. They're completely psychotic. In other words,
1: yes, psychotic people can behave in a rational manner when they have to, or at least, you know, I I just look at it as they're breaking a promise is no big deal to them. Right. But they're not going to break the promise just to break the promise. Right. Just they
0: they don't do stuff just because they can. They, they actually do have a reason for it. It's just that they have no moral compass at all, and as long as it takes them where they want to go, they'll do whatever it takes to get them. They're the quickest.
2: They'll agree with the party just as, for as long as need be. Right.
1: right. As long as everybody is going towards the, the ultimate destination that's in their best interest, they'll work with the party as long as the party is doing that. You know, say they capture somebody, and the lawful evil character is saying, uh, you know, there, there are, we don't, you know, we, we've made this agreement, we, we do need to honor it. It's, it's, you know, it's in our best interest long term because, you know, for whatever reason, the chaotic evil guy would just be like, you know, well, that's ridiculous. Let's you know, there's no reason why we need to honor that agreement. We can still achieve what we're doing without doing so. And I think that's where they would have the friction between chaotic evil and lawful evil because that's where you have the, the friction between lawful good and chaotic good. Right.
0: Yeah, the lawful evil try to look at that agreement and figure out the way to weasel out of it to get what they want. Whereas the chaotic evil wouldn't even take, exert that effort. Just like let's just break it and do what we want. Yeah, exactly. They both want to break it. It's just the means in which they go to break it are different mm-hmm uh i think a lot of people do get hung up on the first line though of the chaotic evil uh, description the major preposites of this alignment are freedom randomness and woe i think people put way too much emphasis on that randomness not everything they do is random
1: yeah i agree and i even think they put a little bit too much emphasis on the woe because i again you know i think we talked about this in another show i don't think Characters or at least I don't run characters uh, that are of, you know, you put that evil in, in the uh, in the alignment. I don't think they're evil to be evil. I think they're evil because that's how they act. You know, it's it's they do what they do for their own gain. They don't do it to to be, quote, unquote, evil. I don't think they do things to be random. Right. I think they, you know, they, they do things because it's. That's how they feel at the moment, it, and, it, and it's in their—it's the quickest way to get to their goal.
0: Yeah, they're chaotic evil, not chaotic obstinate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> chaotic, obsessively obstinate.
2: Yes. So I think one of the questions that we missed in the previous two issues doing this was, what's the fun of playing an evil character? What's the point? I mean, D D is all about playing heroes, but what's the point of playing the anti-hero?
1: Well, I don't know. I think it can be fun every now and then to, to, to basically be out there doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is kind of fun uh, to, to introduce that Machiavellian uh, uh, element into the game where you're, you're basically, you're not, you're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for yourself and you are wanting to get power and it's, it's the same reason why a lot of actors like to play the bad guy in movies. Right. It's, it's, it can be kind of fun,
0: right? It's just just think of it as Grand Theft Auto D and D. That's what mm-hmm. cha- a chaotic campaign could be. There's people do have fun causing chaos and. The doing things that they normally wouldn't do in life. There is some sort of psychological release that comes from acting out the uh, the evil, dark recesses of the mind, but in a safe way that uh, doesn't actually involve hurting, maiming, or anything else, and have the uh, guilt associated with it. If we want to go into the deep psychological level of it,
1: yeah, you can throw out the moral compass that you have to live by in your regular day to day. And you can you can just kind of do all the things that you kind of like to do or fantasized about doing, but you know you shouldn't do.
0: Right. And in the confines of a game, it's considered acceptable. Within reason of a group, there's certain things I wouldn't tolerate at all at a gaming table. But in the long lines of uh, being evil, there's just certain things. It's just it hits a point of, being fun and wacky chaos to okay this is just kind of creepy and uncomfortable let's and let's get away from this as quickly as possible
1: yeah when they get too deep into the manner of sacrifices <laughs> yeah well <laughs> you've really been thinking about this a lot haven't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think it's fun it, i don't know if uh how much fun it would be to have uh, a long campaign based around that It might be fun uh, for a change of pace. I think that's it. I think it's a nice change of pace.
2: So it's like a one shot thing, not more of a over over the weeks thing. Doesn't really work for you.
1: It. I don't. I don't think I would mind trying it as a long term campaign, but I wouldn't. You know, we do. As we all know, we do multiple campaigns, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want every campaign to be based around that.
0: Right. Yeah, because there are certain stories that are best told with that anti-hero uh, at the focal point. And there's other stories that you cannot tell with the anti-hero. So it dep- also depends, I think, on the DM and the story they're looking to tell, because certain types of characters are better fit for different types of stories.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a great point you made, Matt, is – a lot of times there are cool stories to be told that that do take the point of view of the dark hero. I mean, look at Elric Imelda He's a classic example of a, of a really dark hero. And right. he's fun to read.
0: Yeah, there's you could also even take it. You could start it off as an evil campaign and maybe turn it into a story of redemption and how we talk about people playing in their alignment and acting out of the alignment as being bad. But maybe in this one, that's kind of the point. You're trying to shift these chaotic evil characters or these evil characters into something more lawful neutral or lawful good.
1: Or how about this? What if you're playing a lawful evil character or even a chaotic evil character and you find out that the uh, that the powers that be that you serve or, or your liege or what have you, the person that initially you were working for – has turned around and screwed you over. Now it's kind of fun to, to be like, oh, all right, well, I'm not the type of guy you want to do that to. Right. You
2: know, and then it becomes kind of, kind of cool in that vein. Or, or how about a campaign that the characters are all good but have to make evil decisions because that's the way they have to survive?
1: It could be fun to uh, occasionally throw a moral dilemma out at the party Right, you know, it, it, it tests the character. It tests the player's ability, one, to out of character stretch and role play that aspect, and two, it makes them really think about their character more than just in a one dimensional. He's good. He never does anything evil because he's lawful good. It's, you know, I, I, I actually get a little bit annoyed when I have players who the players are all neutral evil, I think, many of the time. But they'll they'll do the craziest things, regardless of the fact that their character is supposed to be good. And then they'll try to rationalize it. So it's fun to make them own up to the consequences of what they're really doing. Hmm. Now, they may not enjoy it, but that's usually my my learning lesson to them. You know, I don't try to do that to them through the entire campaign. But if I see them consistently doing something against their alignment, but trying to rationalize it, Mm -hmm. uh, then, yeah, I'll throw consequences at them. I'll make them rethink that. I had a younger player who played a paladin, and I think he he played a lot of the old uh, newer editions of D&D prior to playing in my first edition game. He, he was more or less a power player. And he understood that paladins could only have so many magic items. The rules were never a problem with him. In fact, he was quite learned on the rules. But he wanted the best magic items. The best sword should go to him, you know, and so he would always out of character, almost kind of metagame it, or he would always have his character in character asking. Literally, he would have his character ask the other players if he could have that magic item. And Hmm. after a while, you know, the other players weren't enjoying that. And I certainly as a DM, I was was constantly looking at him like, really? You're going to do that? Okay. I... Basically had him wake up one morning. He didn't know any of his paladin. It was a higher level campaign. He didn't know any of his paladin spells. Uh, He would always be like, oh, don't worry. I I can, I have resist evil, you know, or, or, uh, you know, uh, protection from evil. Uh, And I would always be like, really? You know, you use a lot of out of character terms in character for your paladin. Uh, And so I stripped that of him and he didn't have it anymore. And then he had a dream that night. Where Where he would normally be getting spells from his God, and his God more or less said, "I don't like the way you're behaving. you need to be putting the 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 welfare of your comrades ahead of your own welfare and And he wasn't really sure how to handle that. <laughs> He'd be like, "Well, I don't think I'm doing it wrong, and I'd say, "Well, okay, you don't, but your God does <laughs> that's really the one that matters
2: exactly <laughs>
1: So yeah, I'll throw consequences at them if they're not if they're not if they're if they're trying to justify their evil actions as good. Have you ever had anything like that, Matt?
0: No, I really haven't. Um, my players they tend to skew more towards that the a little on the selfish, but the, for the most part, they're still kind of good at heart. That I've never actually even had an evil campaign. No. Yes. I mean, what I've, the the Ravenloft campaign I'm running is kind of like the reverse redemption story. The players go out to see good and it ends up they just end up causing more death and destruction inadvertently than they realize and having to deal with the consequences of it. So people perceive them as evil, even though their heart was actually good. But. No.
1: Well, that sounds like you have some good role players, though. That they're 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 not trying to rationalize evil actions as good. They're they're actually doing good actions, and they're willing to deal in character with the ramifications of those. I think that's actually uh, speaks of a pretty good group of role players.
0: Yeah, I so because I I think that's kind of an interesting another interesting spin on the story to tell. You can have an evil campaign, but with good aligned players as well or characters where they have mm-hmm. to go and do what society sees as evil in order for the greater good that's lost on the masses. So they become public enemy number one. They're the great big bad villain when really we're just trying to help.
1: Yeah. Well, in the same vein as the X-Men back in the 70s and and, and 80s, I, I didn't really – of them into the 90s but they were always an outlaw hero group
0: right right so even with spider-man and the uh daily bugle they always painted him as the villain because of jay jameson's uh vendetta against spider-man mm-hmm. so and
1: magneto he became he he, he became uh, a good guy from being bad guy but you know Obviously, there are going to be better examples than just Marvel Comics the
0: entire time, but right, but I mean that that's another spin on the evil campaign as well that the characters themselves don't have to be evil at heart, but they can be perceived as evil,
1: or what if they they see the light right, but they still <laughs> have the uh the way they go about it, you know it they they go about things when they're evil in an evil manner. They they have a a method of operation, I guess you would say. Right, right. So what if they see the light, but they still go about the greater good using
0: that those same tactics? Right. It, it similar to how well going back to Marvel when the Punisher first appeared, he was a villain, and then he became a hero, but mm-hmm. he didn't really change as a character. It's just who he targeted became – instead of targeting good guys, he targeted bad guys. Right, exactly. And at which point – I don't
1: point, know. Events? What kind of – oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, but then,
0: the and then that's when you start spawning. That's how you spawn your antiheroes is by having them use <coughs> the methodology of a villain against a villain.
1: Yeah, you fight fire with fire, and that's, that's kind of a cool concept. Hmm. Vince, have you had much experience in that with evil campaigns?
2: Not really. I mean, I played in a bunch of them. I never really, I've never run them personally per se, because no one ever wants to be evil. Everyone always wants to be the good guy. Because I don't know, They play D anD D, you think hero. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, with that said, I played. I played in a bunch of them. Uh, Pathfinder has a, a good path called uh, Second Darkness, which teaches players the consequences of life and things you have to do that aren't necessarily good. So it takes you down the path of a darker path of a character that needs to make those decisions just to get through the situation at hand. I don't want to ruin for anybody just to pick it up. It's a really good campaign path.
1: Well, you know, I was just thinking about this. What if you started the campaign out at low levels, you know, first level, second level, whatever, uh, with the characters. Good. And then as they increase in power, they also increase in responsibility. And they start to understand that not everything is as black and white as they thought when they were still low level and naive. They have to start making – they realize that the world has many shades of gray in it. It would almost be like watching a party – I don't know, become less naive and more wise to the to the cruel truths of the world. So like they would become darker as they got higher up
0: in level. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's Maybe like, they become more cynical.
0: Yeah. It's like I, I would actually listen recently to an interview with a former FBI informant, uh, not an informant, but an agent who infiltrated. He was actually. Uh, responsible for bringing down the Colombian drug cartels and he was one of the very he became in a position of being a very high up uh, financer for them and he said as he's doing his job he had to live the character that he was portraying including he was in a room when someone had a hit ordered on him and they wanted him to carry out that hit Or the other in him or the other people in the room to carry out that hit, and he was so he was in that dilemma of what do I do? I have the I'm trying to bring all these people down, but if I don't do kill this person, all of a sudden my cover's blown and the entire mission just falls apart. But at the same time, I have to kill someone. What do I do? Fortunately for him, one of the other mobsters in. The room pulled off the hit instead. But he knew someone was going to die and he could not do anything about it. He had to let it go and let that hit happen as part of a greater goal. Hmm. That's interesting. So that's just like a real world example of that. And he had to be a part of some very nefarious, like shady deals and. Money laundering and funneling, and he knew of people that were going to die. He knew of all of this evil that was going on, and he had to live it and also act like he was going along with it and a part of it, and thought it was okay in order yeah, to bring you know, all these another, people down.
1: Well, wh- no, what I find interesting is is in comparison is that uh, I have a friend of mine who used to be in the FBI actually, and and he told me one time, you know, they do tons. Of character background checks before you you know you be you are allowed to join the FBI they really do look for straight and narrow guys who have no blemishes on their background so in other words they're looking for lawful good types but then they're asking them to do to to do bad to make good right it's- so what does that say for Paladins you know, where clerics or just lawful good characters in general. Can they, you know, we know it can be done in real life because, you know, they really do look for straight and narrow types for for agencies like the FBI. Uh, you have to take polygraph. Uh, they, they 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 dig pretty deep in your background to find any blemishes. So if they can then turn around and, you know, sacrifice occasionally for the greater good, could that same scenario be posed to a lawful good character in a game, and, and could they then do that?
0: I, th- I think the default of most players, though, is to not do that and not go down that well, route. Well, right.
1: They would say, well, you can't do that. The book says you can't do that. You'll lose your
0: alignment. Right. But it and that's only if you want to take that black white, very rigid view of the alignments when I think you can have some far more interesting storytelling and adventures if you have that look the little shades of gray. Uh it does Lawful Good doesn't have to be shiny, pristine perfection. Lawful evil can be a little dirty. It can be a little ugly. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's – just Just because it's not pristine doesn't mean it's still not lawful and doesn't mean it's not good. It just means sometimes it has to get a little dirty to accomplish its goal.
1: Right. Maybe they're breaking the law so that they can create a world that better lives by the law.
0: Right, or perhaps the law is unjust. And, I am the law. Right. Yes, you, you – <laughs> They know that the law is wrong. Uh, say, for example, say you had like uh, the ruler of a land, but he really shouldn't be the ruler. He wasn't, he's not the direct heir, and it's a con, and the players know it. So I think it would be perfectly acceptable for the lawful, good player to ignore his laws because he's not the rightful ruler.
1: Right. The, because what he's saying is, you know, he, his very. He broke the law to get to where he is. Therefore, all of his mandates are unlawful.
0: Exactly, and that way you can be in violation of the law and, and at the same time be true to your alignment. You hmm. don't. You don't have to look at it as in uh, like a tiny micro view of well, this land's laws is this is that land based and lawful. Good is that land based injustice. If it if it has that false foundation of an unjust ruler who took power unjustly, I could see the lawful character ignoring the law because that law, it, the law, the mandates are rooted in unlawful.
1: Right. The 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 law basically being man uh, the the rules being handed out have no. Have no justification anymore. They they become uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They 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 the person who has no they lose their authority. Yes, because they're they're being issued by somebody who has really no no right to issue them. Hmm. But you know what about lawful evil? Now there is a an alignment I think can be played within a party.
2: Oh, yeah. Def- it can be quite effective. I've done that many times, Played a lawful evil character, the mastermind, and, and basically just buy, bid my time and hid in the background until I was able to find an opportunity to wipe out the entire party.
1: Exactly. Well, I, you know, I played for a long time. Uh, one of my highest level uh, characters that I ever played was, uh, was a wizard, magic user, and he started out good, but he ended up lawful evil. And he was actually not a bad guy to adventure with. You know, he if he went on an adventure, it's because there was something in it that he wanted. Or if he agreed to help the party, he, he kept he honored his contract. He helped them but it, he would only make that agreement to help them in something that didn't benefit him because later on he knew he was now going to get a favor from them on something he was already planning for the future so in other words he was always in it for himself but he did honor his contracts and because he saw ultimately that was the that was best for him hmm. so yeah, and you know, if you have a lawful evil ruler, the land doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, uh, the the peasants are not all in revolt. It could be they're quite happy because there's not much crime, because somebody's lawful evil would not want a lot of crime in their city, because that would in that would in, in, infringe upon their own greater good. I mean, if if you have Lots of crime in a city, then the people are not going to produce to their peak capacity. They're not going to have the money to pay the taxes that ultimately go to you. In other words, you're going to have competition. And lawful evil people don't tend to like competition. They find that when all the cogs work together like they're supposed to, then, you know, once they have figured out the system, they you know they 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 know how to make the system work for them then they want the system to work so that it can work for them which can have the side effect of creating a stable society for the people under them they're probably iron-fisted tyrants <laughs> but but you're not going to have you know just the streets rife with crime they're not going to be lazy rulers they're not going to be well they're probably not going to be lazy rulers they're they're not going to uh, – they're going to understand the, the, how to make the system work in order to get the most out of that system.
0: If anything, they're micromanagers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there
1: won't be laissez-faire.
0: No. They will be into everything and anything that could even remotely be a problem. They'll find a way to uh, deal with them, be it uh, – oh, um, because if you have enough regulations – Everyone will be in violation of a law, and they'll need to be punished. So anyone who could upset your power, you just figure out which law, because of the massive tomes of laws you've written, they're in violation of, and uh, take them out because of that.
1: Right, and there's always a way to take out a troublemaker if, if you have – you can always – you know, they might manipulate the laws. They'd be very, very okay with that, I think. You know, they it, it, So having lots of laws just gives them more ammunition to manipulate stuff so that they can legally take out any troublemakers.
0: Exactly, because we're just purging this troublemaker for the good of society because we wouldn't want people to violate the laws because the laws are there to, to ensure order and everyone is productive and prosperous. Exactly. The laws are for you and me, but mainly me. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> They're there to benefit everybody. Just it, they should benefit me the most. <laughs> yeah. so, so be a good citizen and if you see something say something. Yeah, it's no more do what you want. It's do what we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why chaotic evil rulers uh tend to bankrupt their country fairly quickly because they live in the now. You know, they per- they satisfy their their own appetites, you know, in the they're, they're not patient. They don't look as far forward per se. They, you know, they gratify themselves uh, at whenever they feel they want it. And so that would have ultimately bankrupt their country. Whereas I think a lawful evil person would be looking further down the road. They're willing to take a hit if it will get them the ultimate, you know, they they plan that hit in, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the with the yeah, the chaotic evil, they're just they're going to be what do I want now? They're not concerned about the long term consequences. More importantly, they're not concerned about how anyone else is affected by their decisions, only themselves. If some other people get uh, injured or killed in the process of me achieving my goals, mm, it's an unfort It's a side effect. It's not even an unfortunate side effect. It just happened.
1: Right, <laughs> exactly. Because they're the center of their own universe. Exactly. So the only time I would, but now if I was, if I for chaotic evil characters in a party, if they were to turn on their their party, you know, in the middle of a of a situation where you would think they wouldn't turn on their own party, like they're fighting the big bad guy and the chaotic evil guy decides that he's going to do something to just totally screw the party. I think he would only do that if he suddenly realized that, you know, the the big treasure they're after, that they, secretly he is the only reason he's been traveling with them is within his grasp and he doesn't actually need to help them beat the big bad guy to get it. He could he could actually you know, while the big bad guy is distracted, he realizes that it's a perfect opportunity for him to sneak over oh, there, gosh. grab it, and leave. That would screw the whole party over really quick, but there would be at least a rational reason why he did it that would fit his alignment. Right, right.
0: right. right. The uh, the cha- yeah the chaotic evil would basically is the id, if we go into the Freud psychology, and it and it's like okay, what's just going to satisfy my goal. Whereas like your lawful is like the super ego and they're going to be actually consider the effects of their actions on the greater whole. And there could even be some self-sacrifice involved with that. And that's and that's the dichotomy you're going to get So you have – and if you – when you mix the two, that's why there's so much conflict and why that type of mixed game doesn't typically work because you have one character who's concerned about the greater world and you have one that's only concerned about them and their specific uh, needs and universe.
1: Exactly, and this is why a long-term campaign with especially chaotic evil characters is, is, is so difficult because they're really short-term thinkers, and they're only helping the party out because there is that short-term goal of doing so. How do you keep them? How do you keep them wanting to go adventure after adventure with the party? It, you know, unless, of course, maybe that you, you put a nice carrot in front of them on every adventure.
0: Right. It, you would pretty much have to be bribing them with like a treat. It, it help us with this, and you get this. To constantly uh-huh. get the help. there would always have and- to be, what is the next? It, it, it's all, almost like a mercenary, but a mercenary is more uh, rational and logical in okay, getting compensated, whereas the chaotic evil is more – goes on the whim of – may, they may do it for this shiny magic item this time. But the next time they may not for absolutely no other reason than other than they don't feel like it.
1: Yeah. You know, now in the way I view it, I don't know if they're that whimsical or, I mean, I know it says they're capricious or whatever, but I tend to, I tend not, I tend to look at it more from the point of view of the character himself. What are his motivations? You know, uh, and if his motivation is to have the, uh, that, that ring that gives him uh super duper powers then he goes on the adventure with the party with the with the hope of getting that ring. Now, this brings us into the next reason why you don't really see chaotic evil people on long-term campaigns. It's because even if there was a nice carrot on every adventure going forward that would entice them to join the party, how many times is the party going to get burned by this guy before they stop letting him travel with them? Because obviously he's doing it you know, that th- they say, oh, you know, we're going to go find the Holy Grail. Well, he's, you know, because that'll bring peace to the entire kingdom. He says in his mind, he's thinking, sure, I'll go with you, because that'll also bring a lot of money on the black market. And, you know, to uh, <laughs> screw the kingdom. I want it so I can sell it and become powerful. Well, at the end of the adventure, if he doesn't get it, then he's probably not going to continue adventuring with them anyway, because what good is it know your rest of the guys you're adventuring with aren't going to let you have. And if you do have to screw them over to get it, then they're not going to let you adventure with them anymore if they don't kill your character. So it becomes very problematic for for rationalizing how this character Keeps going along, you know, uh, with with you know adventure after adventure with these people who either deny him or he screws over.
0: Yeah, you would almost have to keep offering him a bigger carrot on each adventure, in order to keep. Right, but what if the
1: only carrot he wants is the same thing the whole party's looking for, but they're just looking for it for two different reasons?
0: Right, and
1: then at that you, you finally get the Holy Grail. You can bring peace to the world, and then you realize that your thief just sold it on the black market.
0: So, oh, yeah, <laughs> and then now you have a whole nother adventure of trying to get the Holy Grail back. And then exactly. And then perhaps you and then perhaps those lawful. Uh, that's the breaking point for some of those lawful good characters are like you just caused great evil and perhaps they get a little rough with them. Maybe that's oh, yeah. their uh, that's a test for them. Mm-hmm. To see if and
1: maybe they go on the second adventure after they screw over the party because the the rationale now being that the party makes them go along because they're he, you know, he knows who he sold it to. He he knows all the contacts uh, in the underworld. He knows where that that item is probably at at this point. And without him. The goody two-shoe characters who who are altruistic and wanting to help everybody, they have no clue about that side of the world. So without him as their guide to help them find what he already stole from them, they're never going to find
0: it. Or perhaps now the uh, chaotic evil character is like, you know, they want it back. So if I go with them, I say they force me. I steal it again and sell it again, but blame it on the lawful characters.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, there's that. There is that. Or what if it's a high-level adventure and it's actually a campaign based around uh, an artifact that actually comes in multiples to make the full use out of it? Like the Rod of Seven Parts or the Orb of Might, the Crown of Might, and the Scepter of Might, I think. What if they go along and you know with it until all three pieces are together?
2: Mm, or, or what something. if...
0: Or what if this – somehow this chaotic evil character found this item, didn't quite know what it was, and just sold off the parts of it. It split it up. <laughs> so now he wants to get it back so he can get all the power. Now he value.
1: realizes it's true value.
0: So he gets these lawful people saying, hey, these parts are in the wild. Bad things will happen. We need to find it. I, know where, I think I know where they are. So he's yeah, manipulating well, them.
1: <laughs> hey, remember the old Sinbad movie? Uh what was it, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad? The one with the uh genie. Oh yeah. And it was actually the evil guy that that has to work with Sinbad. Sinbad has to work with that evil sorcerer, at least initially, so they can get back to the Isle of Colossus. <laughs> and and the whole time, of course, uh wonderfully played by uh by uh Tom Baker. Uh, our fourth Doctor Who. Uh, if in, you know, I, I didn't actually know that until I read a, an article the other day. I never put the two and two together. That was Tom Baker who played that evil guy in that Sinbad movie. But, uh, but you know, Sinbad has to work with him because if he doesn't, he can't save his princess. And of course, the evil guy's only doing it because he's trying. He he needs them to get him back to his island so he can get a hold of that genie lamp, who, which he will he just wants the genie lamp back from them so he's willing to work with them just so he can stay close enough until he can steal it back from them
0: hmm yeah. so there's- well here's another
1: dynamic on the idea of an evil campaign I don't know if it would be an evil campaign but it would be a fun adventure
2: and that's playing monsters yeah well, they have. I think they actually have a module like that, don't they? There's one. I isn't think there
0: one where like your? I think it's second edition though, where you're like goblins and you have to fight off players that are raiding or kobolds oh. or something, and they're trying. Basically, adventurers are coming into your lair, and you have to like fight them off. I think there's something like that. It's like a reverse dungeon. But that's one second of the edition.
1: Dangerous creatures in the monster manual is actually in the player's handbook.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just think yeah, of it, though. But, What's wrecked more havoc than in D and D campaigns than player characters?
1: Oh hmm. yeah, it, it, you know the paladin may say, "Well, we're doing this because it's good and noble." Well, it's probably not. Doesn't come across so good and noble to the people whose dungeon that the paladin is is basically going trespassing into, killing them all to steal what uh, what they have in the name of of a deity they don't even follow.
0: Right. Right. At which point. Now I've, I just got thinking, what if you took the alignments and spun them and readjusted like like good and evil and in, – instead of using like the universal moral compass that's currently used in the book, you actually used like the culture of one of the monsters – To define what good, what's good, what's evil, and then apply that to everything else in the world. So, like, all of a sudden, that lawful good paladin is actually like chaotic evil in the eyes of like this monster because their society is the complete opposite. Being lawful, what would lawful and going with the order of society is actually chaotic in the universe. But,
1: yeah, well, a chaotic creature would probably see, you know, the the, the lawful actions of a paladin as inexplicable. They, they just wouldn't understand it. They're like, "Wait a minute!" So you're telling me this guy's going to do stuff that's ultimately going to hurt himself just so he can honor a law written by somebody else to benefit somebody else? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Please try and explain this to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be totally chaotic in their eyes. It would be inexplicable.
0: Right. So at that point, you could even go down the rat hole of alignment is perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure those monsters don't see themselves as evil. They just see themselves as themselves.
2: Well, I guess that goes on. The whole thing is the goblins and the orcs really evil. They're just defending their land or they're just trying to survive. So,
0: Right and, mm-hmm. and th- th- then you get into whether or not slaughtering nurseries is <laughs> that whole <laughs> but you know,
1: what about adventure. all those adventures where you go into the dungeon and and the creatures in there haven't really made in, there's no mention in the module that they've actually been you know uh going out and marauding uh you know th- these innocent farmsteads uh, you're you're finding some lost tomb right and you're going okay. How about the the tomb of horrors? Okay, nothing's coming out of the tomb of horrors to destroy anybody else. I mean, yeah, the lich is evil, but he hasn't done anything to anybody else in in like eons, right? And since he became since he was down there, uh, you know, and and. Really, if you stop and think about it, if you're playing a, a lawful good paladin and you're going into the the uh, you know the tomb of horrors, you're you're going tomb raiding. You're 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 having your paladin become a tomb robber. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, do you guys think I'm off base on that one?
2: If you're looking at it from that point of view, definitely.
1: Yeah, you're re-rating. I mean you're- Yeah, the Asarak may not have been a swell guy, and he certainly probably never put the people first but since he's been dead or undead uh as far as the local farmers down the road they wouldn't know the difference because one his tomb's supposed to be you know like lost right which means probably there's not a lot of action going on around there otherwise people wouldn't have forgotten it and two you know as far as they know he's dead and People are going in there to take what technically is not rightfully theirs. Of course, I guess they could argue everything in there is not rightfully his. But, you know, I hopefully they have some reasoning behind that. I mean, it may be true, but how do they prove it?
0: Right. Are, are they going to loot all of the stuff that he ill-gottenly gained and then take it back to the rightful owner? Or are right. they going and to the keep it for themselves <laughs> at which point? They there you p-
1: go. What if the players tell you as a DM, Matt, uh, or Vince, what if they say, what if you put that question to them? Uh, well, oh, what if, at, you know, you said to them the question, okay, why are you going in here and doing this? And they said, because none of that stuff is rightfully his. We must, you know, and he's evil. He stole it all. And then I would probably let it sit then. I wouldn't pursue it with them. And then at the end, I would say, so what are you going to do with that plus five Avenger that you liberated I'm going to keep it how are you going to keep it it's not yours either yeah (laughs) you're just transferring it from one unlawful uh, owner to another one
0: right yes it's like what (laughs) yeah it's like what is the uh, right of an evil character just to exist in his evil piece if he's not actually causing evil amongst others
1: Right. If he's not instigating any problems for the land around
0: him, <laughs> why would you want to go stir up the hornet's nest? <laughs> yeah.
1: Or say you do find the 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 you know he had a plus five holy avenger hidden away, right? Mm-hmm. And and you come out, your Paladin comes out of the adventure alive. He's got the sword, goes back to the town, and and he walks into his temple. I'm just curious how the player would handle it. If you then had one of the priests there turn around and say, oh, my goodness, you found the holy sword of, of so-and-so stolen eons ago by Asrak. It's so great of you to bring it back to us so that we may... Take that holy relic and put it back where it belongs. I mean, now, it'd be interesting. I, I think a lot of players who play paladins would then probably say, oh, yeah, I did. Here you go. But it would be funny to take a look on the player's face at first to see they they're squirming and figure out how they can keep the sword. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and that's also actually a great way to get rid of magic items if your campaign has too many in them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All of a sudden, every – they start avoiding temples because every time they walk into one, they start (laughs) saying, that is the holy blah, blah, blah. Thank you for bringing it back.
1: You found the holy shield of Sigil.
0: (laughs) You found the holy holy belt buckle of (laughs) –
1: they start dodging their own temple.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: you get back in town, the other player is like, well, whew, I guess we should go to the temple, get some healing spells. The paladin's the only one going, yeah, yeah I'll pass. About
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> or what it's if they really
1: overrated?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or what if they go into like a, a temple that's not necessarily their uh deity but like a friendly one and then that uh temple says, "Oh, that's a whole our holy relic, but it's actually not." They just the uh priest just knows it's power and wants it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, "Hey, what if you have a corrupt priest."
0: Right. All of a sudden, and then next thing you know, they hand over the Holy Avenger and now it's being used for evil. <laughs> Evil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or what if the paladin player uh, had his paladins? And, and I have seen this happen before, uh, where the player, once again, they will try to rationalize why they would be able to keep that item. And they say, well, yes, but but don't you believe, as he talks to the priest, that, that great uh, Leonidas... Who wielded this sword to smite evil, he would not want it sitting in some temple useless. He'd want it out in the land, smiting evil, perhaps in the hand of a champion, perhaps me. (laughs) How would you handle that? Do you think that that's something that a paladin could say? Or do you think that that would be you think he really shouldn't say that? I don't know. That's kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen players try to justify, you know, when uh, why they should keep things, and, and you know that would be, I guess, you'd have to make a uh, check to see, you know, how a charisma check. Maybe that's why paladins have such high charisma, <laughs> so they can keep the goodies that they find.
0: Right, they're on a mission from God, like the Blues Brothers, so therefore they need to be able <laughs> to keep all this stuff.
1: <laughs> they kind of look shifty-eyed sideways for a minute, and they go, Ah, you must be evil, too, <laughs> to not want this sword out in the land. <laughs> they kill the priest.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Ah, the corruption runs high in this. Yeah. I will have to cleanse my whole order. <laughs> yes.
0: I must smite them all.
1: <laughs> Until I find the one priest who understands why I should keep this sword.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Uh,
1: that that'd be kind of funny, so, but
2: so what about mm-hmm. in neutral evil characters to this whole situation? What are they? Where do they stand? Neutral evil.
0: <sighs> I think they fall under s- selfish. They'll just go-
2: selfish want do whatever they want for themselves within kind of some sort of guidelines,
0: right? I mean, they'll use th- where. Uh, the chaotic character has no concern for the law at ever. The neutral will be like, what is most beneficial, using the law to my advantage or not using it? Uh, so they they straddle both fences, I think, and they'll, they're they're looking to achieve whatever means. But sometimes they may go more towards that. Well, if I use the law in this way, I get what I want. Well, this law, I just can't get around it, so I'm just going to ignore it. They're kind of like the Mm -hmm. straddling the in between is how I see, and they're kind of can be the glue that holds together a evil party because since they kind of can see both sides of the lawful chaotic uh, pull, and they might be in a weird way the voice of evil reason.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. So maybe- well, I definitely like what you said uh, initially about the selfish. I thought about that for a minute because my first reaction was, well, I would think that would be chaotic evil. But then I stopped and thought about it, and my view would be that chaotic evil is, is to use psychological terminology, they're psychotic which means that they, they they literally have no regard for anybody but themselves. Yeah. They are the center of their universe. The, Everybody else, if they close their eyes, you don't exist.
0: Yeah, they right? are, they they are the embodiment of an id when they're lacking. are a the serial killer. Yeah, they're lacking superego. <laughs> they're Dexter. Right.
1: Like, well, yeah, I guess to a degree. They they don't they don't have any remorse because they don't view anybody else as really you know, they're the only thing that really matters.
0: Right. And it's but, not that they look down on the others either. Don't confuse that. They just don't care. It's yeah, they not-
1: just don't care. They have no sympathy because they they would have as much sympathy for their fellow adventurer as they would for a chair.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they think they're better than their fellow adventurer. They just don't care.
1: <laughs> hmm. Whereas I think neutral evil – would be they're not psychotic. They they understand they are not the center of the universe, but they might be a little greedy.
0: They're more sociopaths. Mm-hmm. They're more in that sociopathic where they understand other people have feelings, but they just don't. They're not, they're not concerned with them, but they know they exist.
1: Yeah, I I would say more like neutral evil is is a person who 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 doesn't really see good as being an end goal. And it doesn't really see, it doesn't go out of its way uh, to, to satisfy its own lusts. But, you know, Hey, if, if it's, you know, they're getting through life there, there's always going to be evil. So, you know, you can't really stop that. It's going to be there uh almost apathetic in regard to good and evil, but they have greedy tendencies. They're like, look, the world is the way the world is. You know, we, we're just a couple of guys. We're not gonna put any big dent in it. Uh, but you know, what's it hurting if I you know, if I have that item? It's not really hurting anybody. It's definitely helped me. you know. they, they don't they might feel bad if somebody died. That they they have feelings. Right. They just are apathetic and slightly greedy, or yeah. very greedy. <laughs> so that's kind of where I put neutral evil. Is you know they're doing it because there is a benefit for them to travel with the party, uh, and the, you know they just don't. They think this whole fight against evil is kind of ridiculous because it's it's never going to happen. You're never going to eradicate it. Uh, and even if you did, you just have a new brand of evil because you know you got to have evil. You can't really have good.
0: Yeah, they're, you're <laughs> so almost y- describing Eeyore. What's the point? Why are we doing this fighting? Just here, let me just get what I need, and I'll be on my way.
1: Yeah, I, I just seem as pragmatic. Yeah, you know, they're like, they're like, you know, if you guys want to do this adventure in some glorious battle against evil, fine, whatever floats your boat and gets you through the day. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen, uh, but there's definitely a monetary gain for me to be traveling with you guys, right? and because they are greedy, that is what makes them tend towards evil.
0: Right, because they're, if it gets them the shiny, it, and it doesn't matter if it takes away – someone else loses the shiny if it gets them the shiny, but they're not going to go out of the way to take other people's stuff for the sake of taking it.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're doing it just for the, you know, they're not stealing candy from a baby as Mister Burns does just to see if he can do it, right? right. <laughs> they're – I, I think they they don't even do it in evil. I think they believe that people are people, and everybody's really kind of a it, it, everything's gray,
0: right? They're they're kind of humanist. They're they're yeah yeah they're very much like the human is the center of the world uh, or them and whatever they need will do and if someone gets hurt in the process that's okay i don't take particular pleasure in it but sometimes it happens and i'll be able to sleep okay at night if it does
1: yeah I, i think chaotic evil is more along the lines of i'm the center of the universe and nobody else really exists so it doesn't really matter but i think neutral is more not so much about we must maintain the balance I think there is more or less like there really is no such thing as good and evil. There's just people.
0: Right. There's and, just silly infighting you know, between these two groups. It's
1: all gray. Yeah. And and I'm stupid if I don't get what I can get out of life while the getting is good. And and people who are lawful good would say, well, that's evil. That's greed. And they would say, OK, wh- whatever you want to call it, dude. But that that is uh that in my mind would be neutral evil is that they're they're you know they're the guys that will sell uh the uh they'll sell the the s they're they may sell your uh I don't know, your secrets that say that safeguard your land. Uh they're 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 just there to get what they can get while the getting is good. And that's why I think if you look at the Monster Manual 2, when they introduced uh the the daemons. Remember they had uh they had demons, they had devils, they also came out with dan's, uh, but they had daemons, right? Who live on Tartarus, I want to say. They're neutral evil. And they're the guys that are like the uh they they're the it's the merchants, I guess you would say, of the infernal world. Uh, they sell things back and forth between the devils and the demons because they don't care about, uh, you know, whether there's law or whether there's chaos or they, they don't really. they They just don't care. They don't. They see it all as gray anyway. And if they can make money by working with both sides, they will. Hmm. Whereas neutral good, I think they also see it is uh they take people on their own they don't necessarily say you know they understand again they're they're a little fatalistic too probably they they see the world or maybe they wouldn't claim that but they they see the world pretty much as shades of gray uh, but their belief is that you know if if you can make it a little bit less dark that would probably be nice uh and and they do believe that the world if, if possible, they'd like to see the world in its best light. They just don't believe that anything – they just don't see the world as black and white. That's how I would, I think, uh, do it. So one side is they, – they all see the world as gray, but only one side is, is greedy. Neutral evil is greedy. Neutral good is more or less – they have altruistic tendencies. I think
2: that about sums it up.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I may be totally off base. But at the end of the day, you know, this is one of those things with D&D where y- there are a lot of games out there now that don't even have alignment. And and I, I actually like games where your character is how you play them. You know, I I've always thought... I, I, i've always had a little bit of an issue with alignment to be honest because it's kind of like pigeonholing your character you must play him you know this way even if it doesn't make sense whereas i think i like a game where you just you know you, you could literally get rid of alignment in D anD. i don't think it'd have a huge effect on the game
0: no no i mean other than like Specific magic items and things of like that. It it really doesn't. I think that's just more of uh, it's just, it's just a way to help classify uh, mm-hmm. like different monsters and people. Like okay, this is these are like the the villages. These are this. It, it's just people like grouping things in boxes and like labeling them. And I think that just helps with the labeling. It's like mm-hmm. when it comes to alignments. I actually really like the Palladium. Alignments. I think that they do a better job of the more uh, isolating like what the motivation of the character is, without the vagities mm-hmm. of the D anD D nine point system. Mm-hmm. From like the scrupulous to principled the anarchist to selfish and so on. I've always kind of preferred that alignment system myself.
1: Yeah, well it it's it it seems to be a little bit more granular and and takes into account, you know, that there are shades within lawful good. Right. You know, are you lawful good to the point where everybody else sees you as lawful evil? Like
0: yeah. if
1: you if you if you Jaywalk, he's going to take your head off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you'd be like, "But that's a minor crime." There are no minor crimes. There are just crimes. <laughs> and my one answer to it is fire and lots of it. <laughs> huh. So yeah, you know, I mean, or are you lawful good that follows the rules and enforces the rules but tries to also be uh to to quantify what is a minor infraction against what is a major infraction. <laughs> you know, back in Japan, feudal Japan, Uh, You know, they they really only had one punishment (laughs) that was death. Uh, You know, they didn't that if you went to jail is probably because you were just there while they waited to hand you your sentence. It wasn't so much that that was the punishment so that, you know, you could say that's one form of law that's extreme. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that that like what you're saying, Matt, there are games out there that probably have handled it maybe a little bit better since then. Uh, I just think that they're trying to, you're taking literally, what is it, six alignments and trying to shoehorn every, every type of personality within six different alignments, and that's kind of difficult to do. And that's why there's so many debates over alignment.
2: There's a lot of, yeah, too much debates over alignment. <laughs>
1: And that's about all I have to say on alignment.
2: Yeah, I think with that said, that should wrap things up for this week and uh if you'd like to write us RFI staff at gmail dot com, visit our page, RFIPodcast.com. dot com. And uh five seven oh eight six five forty two ten the hotline. Keep it original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.
0: This podcast is a production of
2: Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even
0: by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic
2: missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next
0: time on Roll for Initiative.